So as I mentioned a moment ago, we are wrapping up today a series in which we have been reading through the entire book of Acts. We invited, we encouraged the entire congregation to read all 28 chapters. We basically split it up a, a chapter a day, Monday through Friday over the last several weeks. We put together this reading plan as well as all sorts of other different resources to help you in your reading and in your study because we believe that something powerful happens when an entire community of faith is very intentional about joining together, committing to read uh, the Bible together, that we grow together, that we learn together uh, more about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be church. So today, as we wrap up this series, it only makes sense that we see how the book ends. So what we'll be reading today is the final verses of the book of Acts. Now, if you were here last week, you may remember that, that we looked at the story in which, in which Paul was being encouraged uh, by some of his fellow believers not to go to Jerusalem. He felt this compelling, he felt this desire, this call to go on to Jerusalem, but they tell him that that's not a good idea, that, that trouble awaits you there, that you might be put in jail at best that you might be killed at worst, but he went anyway, and just as he feared, just as they all feared, that's exactly what happened. He was arrested, and as we've seen over the last couple of chapters, they take him as a prisoner uh, to Rome. They put him on a ship and take him to Rome where he will be tried in front of the Emperor Nero. And along the way, all sorts of wild and crazy things happen. There is this, this, this disagreement amongst the crew and the captain. They argue, who knows, maybe even come to blows. There is this uh, shortage of food supplies. Everybody's going hungry. That might have been the source of the, of the, of the conflict. And then, and then this violent storm comes and, and causes the ship to wreck. And so then they dramatically swim to shore where they encounter some friendly natives. But there, as if that's not enough, there Paul is bitten by a venomous snake, but yet miraculously is healed. Well, after all that, they put him on another ship, and they eventually make it back to Rome, where Paul is indeed still under arrest, but on house arrest. He's able to live at home. He's not allowed to leave, but others are welcome to come and visit him, and that's what will happen in the story that we will read today. Our scripture reading today is from Acts 28, verses 23 through 31. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him in his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. 
Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other, and as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors, through their prophet Isaiah, to go to this people and say, you will indeed listen but never understand, and you will indeed look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they may look with their eyes and listen with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you, then, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The word of God for the people of God. Now, if you were to ask my wife, Kelly, or me what our favorite movie is, we would tell you that one of our favorites is When Harry Met Sally. How many people have seen When Harry Met Sally? Oh, most of you have. It's a great movie. If you are under the age of 40, you can find it on Netflix, just so you know. I realize that I date myself anytime I talk about When Harry Part of what Kelly and I love about that is that in many ways that story sort of resembles our relationship, right? We met in middle school, we were friends for 30 years before eventually we got married. Um, interestingly enough, while we were friends in high school, I took Kelly to see When Harry Met Sally. Here ends the sermon. That's all I got today. That's a... I don't, I don't know. I don't know why... Anyway, part of what I love about that movie is the characters, too. And, and Harry, at one point, he explains that when he buys a new book, he always reads the last page first. That way, he says, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. Now, that's a little bit morbid, but I know that there are some people that do that. Maybe not for that reason, but... But others, they want to know if, if the ending is happy or sad. They want to know if it's worth investing their time, uh, if the writer is going to deliver on the promises that he or she makes at the beginning. I get all that. But if you are someone that always goes and reads the last page first, we need to talk. Because there is something wrong with you. Having said that, if you are one of those people, you already know how the book of Acts ends. Now, I'm not one of those people that needs to have a story, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie. It doesn't have to be all tied up in a nice, neat bow for me at the end. I know there are people that do, that when, when, when you walk out of a movie theater or you finish a book for the last time, you like to have all of the plot lines, all of the complications, you like to have them all resolved. They are the ones that, that like to, to, to prefer their stories that end, and they all live happily ever after. And if that doesn't do it, and they all died at the end. Either way, you just like it all to be resolved at once. But I am not one of those people. I like for my imagination to try and have to decide what's going to happen next. What might happen from there. I, I like to be curious. I like to be forced to think about what might happen next. Now, when the curtain closes on the book of Acts, Paul is in Rome living under house arrest. 
while he's awaiting his trial before the Emperor Nero. And chances are pretty good that it's not going to end well. And he knows this. In fact, earlier in the book, he speaks to his friends like he expects to die very soon. And while he waits, we learn that there are two separate conversations that he hosts in his home with leaders of the Jewish community there in Rome. In the first one, in the first one, we learn that while he may have been the talk of the town for the last couple of years in Caesarea, that here, they'd never heard of him. That, knowing what we know about Paul, would have been a huge blow to his huge ego. They don't know anything about him. In the second conversation that lasts all day and involves a great numbers of visitors, Paul does what we know him to do, what he has been doing since we first met him, and that is that he tells them about Jesus. These are Jews, and so he does so using the language and the witness of the Jewish scriptures, talking about Moses and the prophets, the law and the prophets, and he convinces some of them, but some of them, they're not buying it. And he's not all that gracious about their unbelief. In fact, he starts hurling harsh words, accusing them through the words of the prophet Isaiah of being obstinate. And he says that they have an inability to hear the truth. And then, in a very condescending tone, I'm sure, he says, but the Gentiles get it. They'll listen, but not you. And then, in the last couple of verses, we learn that he lived there for a couple of years, welcoming people, all who came to see him, he says, were welcomed. And then the book just sort of ends. There's no happily ever after. There's no resolution. There's no word whether or not he was tried, whether he was killed. Though, spoiler alert, we learn in other readings, not in Acts, but we learn in other writings from that time that Nero did indeed have him executed. But we don't learn that from Acts. For some reason, Luke, the author of this book, declines to tell how Paul's story ends. Now, I suspect that those of you who read the ending before you get started would probably decide that this is not a story worth reading because it doesn't resolve itself. There's no resolution. There's no nice, neat bow. There's no happy ending. There's not even a sad ending. It just ends. Now, most New Testament scholars agree that the reason for not telling the end of Paul's story is pretty simple. And biblical scholars don't oftentimes agree on much, but on this, there is a pretty common understanding, and that is simply, Acts was never about Paul. Acts never set out to tell Paul's story. The story isn't about the messenger. The story is about the message. Even though the title of the book is The Acts of the Apostle, some may say ultimately that it's about Peter's brilliance, it's about Paul's bravery, but the truth is, Paul was never the main character of this story, and neither, neither was Peter or Philip or Priscilla for that matter. They aren't the heroes, heroes of this story. God is. Now, don't get me wrong. All of those people matter. But insofar only as they serve and speak, as they embody the Word of God. In other words, they are just the messengers. They aren't the message. 
And it's through their witness, and sometimes even without their direct involvement at all, that the Word of God perseveres and spreads, and it moves in unstoppable ways. I would argue that in some ways that's hard for us sometimes to understand, to wrap our minds around that it's not about us. I know I do all the time. The truth be told that there are times that I step down from this very pulpit and realize that I have worked really hard over the course of the last week in order to prepare a sermon that will make myself as a preacher look really good. And I forget that my job is not to make myself look good, but to make God look good. I am the messenger. I am not the message. For some of us, it's hard for us to recognize that our lives, our purpose, all of it, it's not about us. Our lives should be about building up the kingdom of God, and everything that we do should be done to draw attention not to ourselves, but to Jesus. And not only that, how we do that is important too. And speaking of those last days from his home, speaking to those that still weren't buying what he was selling, Paul throws out Isaiah's words in his face. And he says in a very condescending way, you'll listen, but you'll never understand. You'll look, but you'll never see. All of you with your stubborn hearts. You see, when he does that, he sounds sort of like a street preacher, yelling and screaming about how awful, how sinful people are, all in an attempt to make them better. Sometimes the good is left out of the good news of the gospel. And this is one of those situations. Madeline Lengo, one of my favorite authors, knows how to tell a story. She says this, she says, we do not draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts simply to know the source of that light. I love that. It reminds us that the hero of the story is not you it's not me, it's not Paul, it's God who is revealed in Jesus Christ, who lives in us and through us. The focus of our lives, friends, should be on God. The great poet T.S. Eliot once wrote, what we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning, and the end is where we start from. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know that place for the very first time. You see, these words ring true to us, both as individuals and as a community of faith, people who, who want to make a positive difference in people's lives today. But in the cycle of life and death, the stories with beginning and middle and ends, there is ultimately no discontinuity. There's simply pause and transition. In other words, we are all a part of a bigger story. And so who we are and what we do is not an end of itself. What we bring adds to what others have brought before us. And in so doing, we bring a platform for others that will come after us 
to grow and to flourish. I mentioned earlier that Acts just sort of ends with a two-verse conclusion. Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense. I'm not exactly sure why they add that, but they do. And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, I appreciate the irony of this story, especially the irony of these last two verses Because Paul conducts his ministry with all boldness and without hindrance. Remembering that he is under house arrest. So there was some hindrance, I would imagine. But what I think Luke, the author, is trying to say is that though the Roman Empire may control his body, it may restrict his movement, that no one can subdue the influence of his ministry. The irony of Paul's circumstances, it directs our focus not on the limitations, but on the possibilities. That even with Paul in custody, that Acts continues to be a story about salvation, about freedom, about renewal. Now, if we were to be reading this in the original language, the Greek, we would notice that the last word of the book of Acts is the word akalutos. Let me hear you say akalutos. It's all right. We'll work on that. It's a word that simply means unhindered, as you heard. But I would argue that another way to say that, that the last word of the book of Acts is simply unstoppable. In other words, the book of Acts has ended, but the story isn't over. It leaves us asking, what's going to happen next? Where will the unstoppable spirit of God go next? These are all the unanswered questions that exist, just like I like it. You see, for 28 chapters now, we have read about how the unstoppable spirit leads, how it perseveres, about how how those early Christians carried out the work of the church. But that's not the end of the story. Because chapter 29, well, That's the story of the church today. In other words, our chapter is still being written. I once heard a New Testament scholar say that for the church to thrive in the 21st century, that it will need to look more like the church of the first century than of the 20th century. And so one of the questions that we ask as we reach the end of the book of Acts is, can we do that? That's one of the questions that we still have left unanswered. Will we, like the early church, adequately bear the life and the power of Jesus? Will we carry it into the future, reaching that next generation? Will we, like the early church, will we open ourselves up to the fullness of God's grace? Will we, like the early church, be more hospitable, more inclusive, more forgiving, more bold, more daring? Well, church, I guess we'll have to see because that story is still being written. But the end is where we start from.
I've had an old hymn running through my head. Uh, Tell me the stories of Jesus. Write on my heart every word, it says. Tell me the stories most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. I love this idea of hearing those stories, taking those stories in, writing them on our hearts so that they become part of who we are. One of the stories of Jesus that is written on our hearts is this one, the story of the table. Its message of inclusion and openness and welcome. And that every week we gather around this table to nourish ourselves with these symbols, this bread and this cup that empower us to go out and into the world and to live out Acts 29. And so once more, people of God, reading from the words written on our hearts, we remember the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and broke it and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body. And when you eat this, remember me. And in like manner, after supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to them. And he said, this is this new cup poured out for you. When you drink this, remember me. Every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. God of life, thank you for offering your grace to us at all times, even when we are not listening for your voice. As we eat this sacred meal, may our gratitude for the life and sacrifice of Jesus renew our focus on you. May we listen for your spirit's guidance as we seek to share your love courageously. Amen. 